0: Now I know what I wanted to say to you, and it's essentially this: It's been amazing to be part of a church which seeks God's will first and foremost, and it's amazing to have been here for 25 years and see God, as a result, work beautifully in people's lives. And I want to tell you, there's nothing that I desire more in, in my heart than to see God come into our lives. That's me too, right? And uh, touches with His word and with His truth and heal people's hearts and and have them find life in jesus and um that's it's it's my blessing too to be part of such an amazing thing and uh yeah it's being good and thank you for what happened again and thank you for your comments you know uh we're here today again to think about mercy as we're in the the campaign uh the, the miracle of mercy campaign and uh you know we're 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 dealing with this thing called mercy, and I guess I was one, I am wondering as we have just sing this, sung this song, have you come to that place we sung? I've, I, may I never lose the wonder of your mercy? Are you there yet? Because when we wrap our minds around mercy, it's like, whoa! It's like you're kidding me. And it's it's the work of God's spirit to take the word of scripture and apply it to our hearts and to our minds. But when we understand, when you understand mercy, when I understand it in its depths, it produces wonder. Because what, what we see, what our eyes are open to is the heart of God. I want you to understand this. When we're talking about mercy, we're talking about the heart of God for you and for me. And, I, you know, I, I'm convinced, and, you know, I'm not saying I'm even free from this, but in my life, there's just been progression of an understanding of who God really is. In each of our lives, there needs to be a continuing progression and understanding the wonderful reality of our God. And mercy is a huge part of that. So, you know, we have defined mercy in this way. It's defined for us in the material. Undeserved forgiveness. Unearned kindness undeserved forgiveness, forgiveness that we could never, you know, deserve, and kindness that just dwells in the heart of God for you, overwhelmingly so. So let's jump in again, and let's, let's dig into this stuff. And I hope as you're doing it in, in, your, in your small groups, life groups, or men's ministry, whatever you might be engaged in, as you sit at home and you look at these texts, and, and, and as God seeks to impact your mind, let him impact your heart too, would you? So that you know this thing. It'll blow you away. But let's read t- Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It says this. Hmm. There we go. He saved us, Christ, not because of the righteous things we have done, undeserved and un- unearned, not because of the things that we have done, but because of his mercy. Why did Jesus save us? You know, why did Jesus save you if indeed you have been saved? Why did he save us from sin and from guilt and from death and eternity without God? Why did he save us from the life that we might have lived or, or, you know, with all its struggles and and, and without his presence? Why did Jesus go to the cross to die for us? It says it right there. He saved us because of mercy. There's something in the heart of God called mercy that that caused Christ to, To die for us. He came to show you and me the mercy of God. And and he put it like this. Luke 19 verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to seek us and he came to save us. My friends, that's mercy in action. Right? That's mercy. The mercy of God put into action for us. Mercy seeks and mercy saves the lost. You know, as far as God is concerned, there are two kinds of people. And I know we can categorize ourselves in all different kinds of ways. And I imagine God does it in more ways than I can even imagine. But God put, for God, there are two categories that, that are pretty important to him. There are those who are saved and those who are lost. And in his mind, we're all in one of those categories. Part of my job today is to stand before you and say, which category are you in? Right? Which category am I in? Some people might think, but Chris, uh, I, I, I might not be saved, but when you say that I'm in the lost category, I don't like that very much. You know, it sounds almost like when you say there are the saved, they're the wonderful ones, and they're the good ones, and they're the ones who are in the family of God, and then there's everybody else, and they're not in the family of God, and somehow there's something wrong with them, and it's, it seems like a put-down. Seems like a negative to me but i want to tell you from god's point of view that's incredibly untrue it doesn't matter whether someone is saved or whether someone is lost it doesn't matter to god because to god god values everyone and i want to tell you because god is a god of mercy and because god is a god of love the lost like the saved are incredibly valuable and precious to him they the, the lost are worth saving so much so as we have read that Jesus Christ willingly came and he died on a cross to save the lost. Do you understand that? That represents a ton of value. That speaks to the heart of God for people, the saved and the lost, of course. You see, you see, it's only lost things of value that are worth seeking, seek and save. I mean, if I I were to lose this paperclip, how much would I care? Would I go looking for it, or would I just reach into my desk and pick up another one? I could probably lose that paperclip and not even know it. It's not that valuable to me, so I wouldn't seek it. My friends, if I were to lose this wedding ring, I'm not going to cry, I promise, but if I were to lose this wedding ring, I would seek it, and I would seek it, and I would seek it until I found it, if it was in my power to do so. Because this is a valuable thing to me. It represents an incredibly important relationship. It represents love. It represents commitment. Right? I value this thing. Therefore, I will seek it until I find it, if it's possible for me to do so. And I want to tell you, the bottom line is, lost people matter to God. They really, really do. So let's define lostness. We're going to look at Luke. Chapter 15 today, and there are three stories of lost things in Luke chapter 15. Someone has, has called this chapter the lost and found passage because there are three stories in, in which things are lost and they are found. Uh, and Jesus is telling the story and he's trying to make a point to us. And in this story, number one, there's a sheep that is lost. And then in the second story, there is a coin that is lost. And in the third story, there is a son that is lost. And they represent us, human beings. And in those stories, In in, in a coordinated way, there is a shepherd, and there is a woman who the shepherd who lost a sheep, a woman who lost a coin, and a father who lost a son, and they all represent God, and they represent God's heart to us. So let me just scan these stories quickly. Some of you will know them, some of you might not. In the first story. A shepherd has a flock of sheep numbering 100. And at the end of the day, one given day, he comes back, and he puts the sheep in the pen where they will be safe for the night, and there are 99, and he realizes that one is lost. And what does he do because there is one sheep that is lost? He's not content with the 99 being safe. He knows that there's one out there, unsafe, uh, in danger of predators, and he goes searching for that one sheep because that one sheep is incredibly valuable to him. It's really important to him. And off he goes to find that sheep. Ultimately, he finds the sheep, brings it back, puts it into the fold. Now he has the 100 gathered together. And what does he do? He, he invites his friends and his family and they have a big party. Why is he partying? Because something really important has happened. Something of value has been found and is safe in him. Second story is the story of this woman. She has 10 coins and she loses one. She's not content with nine. That's not good enough. She turns her house upside down until she finds that one coin because that one coin represents great value. You get this? Understand this? And then she too has a party because she has found her coin. The third story is the story of a son. He's in his rebellious years. Um, He's young and he asks dad for his inheritance. The father, uh, incredibly negative, insulting thing for a son to do, especially in those days. He takes off with half of, half of his father's wealthy inheritance that he would be receiving when he's older, and he blows the money on, on partying, you know, wine, women, and song. And in the end of the day, he's left with nothing. His friends abandon him, and he ends up feeding pigs in a pigsty. Not a good place to be if you're a kosher Jew, right? It, this, it's, it, this, is, this is bad. And he decides in the end of the day that his dad's servants back home or in a better place than he is, and that he should go home and ask his dad if he could just become a servant like them. He knows he's not worthy of sonship anymore. So he does this, and he goes home, and he confesses to his dad, and what does his dad do? His dad accepts him, and his dad forgives him, and his dad reinstates him as a son. My friends, a powerful example of what? Mercy undeserved forgiveness, unearned kindness flowing from the heart of God toward that boy. And then that dad decides, man, he is so thrilled because his precious son is home. He throws a party as well, and they celebrate with great joy. Here's what I want you to hear today. To be lost in God's eyes from the perspective of Scripture, from the heart of God, from, to, to be lost from God's eyes is to be spiritually disconnected from God to not have a loving relationship, to not have that vital connection with the living God. And I wanna tell you this morning, with all kinds of grace and mercy flowing from my heart to yours, if you're not like that, you are lost according to God. Lost. Now what do we lose if we're in that category of lostness as opposed to foundness or having been saved? Number one, we lose direction in our lives. Think about the sheep story. Sheep don't get lost on purpose. You know, sheep don't think, well, I'm going to go over here and the shepherd's going that way. I'm going to get lost. Apparently, they're not very bright animals. Someone's told me that. Sheep get lost because they just wander away from the flock, right? And, you know, there's this mouthful of grass here and then there's this mouthful over here and this mouthful over here and all of a sudden lost. Or the smell of fresh water and they go because that's what they want and all of a sudden they find themselves separated from the shepherd and from their flock. They've wandered off. I want to tell you that's so much like our lives too. Zechariah uh, chapter 10, the second part of verse 2 says this. I'm just going to read the second part. Therefore, the people wander like sheep, oppressed for a lack of a shepherd. We're wanderers. <laughs> I don't think many of us say, oh, I'm going to get lost from God now. I'm going to kind of. St- Step away at least not very often we're we're people who you know who, who get lost and 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 that's why we worry And that's why we live stressed lives and that's why we're anxious people at, at times Because we somehow know at a deep level the shepherd's not here for me the way that he ought to be i'm lost now, I, I want to recognize not all life is good for those who are in the fold sometimes it's hard But but Romans 8, 28 says, some of you might know this as well, all things work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. That promise is for the sheep. You get that, right? That promise promise is for those who have been found, that God is with us, the shepherd is with us, Christ himself is with us, and he'll even take those hard, difficult times, and he'll bring incredible good from them. That's what it means to have a merciful shepherd in our lives. So we, we get lost in terms of direction. We go our own way. We get lost in terms of, of the protection of, of, of the shepherd also, you know. Uh, sheep are vulnerable animals, and there are the foxes and the wolves and the coyotes or whatever they might be out there. That's why they need the, the sheep pen at the end of the day when the shepherd, if you would, is asleep. But the reality, the reality is, too, that, uh, you know what, um, they are defenseless without without claws, without fangs, they don't they don't run quickly, at least not for very long, and they're in danger. They need the protection of the shepherd. Sometimes, you know, in our lostness we lose our happiness. Think about the son, Luke 15, verse 14. And think about the scenario that Jesus is describing in this young guy's guy's life. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to say it. Starve. This guy's in a tough spot in life. He really is. <laughs> He's struggling. Rebellion sounds good for a time, and I guess for a time maybe it is, but it ends up empty. So says Scripture. So says Scripture. You know, you, we can thumb our nose at God, uh, but I want to tell you it leads to a bad place in the end. Because in the end, we're separated from the love and the care of the Father, the protection of the Father, the direction of the Father in our lives. And we are without the goodness and the the joy that can be had in him, that is had in him. And then another thing we lose, and this is sobering, but we lose heaven if we're lost. You know, God's given us a free will, and we can say, you know, I don't want you, God. I don't want your love, and I don't want to live in relationship with you, and I don't want your mercy. And God says, okay, if that's the way you want it. Isn't that sobering, that that possibility exists? But in essence, he also says this, if you want a separate life from me here, that's what's going to happen in eternity too. See, it doesn't make logical sense to say, God, I don't want you now, but I'm going to want you there. It doesn't. I don't want your guidance. I don't want your protection. And I don't want your, your, the, the joy that you'll bring and happiness. I don't want your power. I don't want to follow you in terms of will. I don't want your mercy. But when I get to heaven, then I want it, if that's okay with you. That's not the way it works, my friends. It's sobering truth. And I want to say this today. Every one of us will die, and we will stand in the presence of God. Um, but... There are no rebels in heaven. It's possible to lose heaven in this life. And that is indeed what the lost lose. So the question becomes how do I how do we connect with God? How do we receive his mercy? How do we access this thing that is in the heart of God? we're going to learn from the lost son and we're going to look at just three things that are just absolutely required from the bible's point of view number one we have to get fed up with our lives anybody fed up with life here if indeed you're lost you got to get to a point where you're just disconnected with discontented with what is and you say god i don't like the way i'm living this is not what i want for my life Anymore. I'm tired of the stress, and I'm tired of the failure, and I'm tired of the disappointments, and I'm tired of the pain and the struggle and the heartache. You know, I'm tired of being distant from you, Heavenly Father, <coughs> excuse me, and all that you offer to me. I'm going to tell you, unless you get tired of what is, you're never going to get saved. Luke 15, verses 16 and 17 young man became so hungry um, and that's an important word can be hungry hungry in more than just in our bellies we can be hungry spiritually right hunger hungry emotionally the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything when he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare and here i am dying of hunger You see, this guy got hungry, and it was represented in his hunger for food, but man, there was so much more that he wanted for his life, and he finally came to a place where he said, this just isn't the way I want things to be, and I want to tell you, it was at that point that things changed for him. Love Jeremiah 29, verse 13, says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You get the power of those words? We've got to come to a place in our lives, so it seems as human beings, where we, we, we uh, face squarely the reality of our lives so much so that then we go seeking the one who is seeking us. And we need to do it with all of our hearts, but the Bible promises if we come to that place and we seek God that we will find him. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thing. You know, some might say, you know, Chris, I hear what you're saying, even as a lost person, but you know what? I think I'm okay. Uh, my life's okay. I'm not starving to death, and, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm not hurting like this young guy seems to be hurting. I, I don't think I need to be saved. And I think the Bible's general response to that might be maybe even the Lord, if He was with us, would be, are you sure? Are you okay with that anxiety that you deal with so often, you know, that fear of what might be in the future? It just is so much a part of your life, so much so that you're not really trusting me with what will be. Are you okay with the guilt that you know you are living with because things have happened and you know it as well as I do? Are you okay with conflict in your life that somehow can't get resolved? Are you okay with resentments? Are you okay with the pain that seems to be there that doesn't find the comfort that you might know? Are you really okay? See, too often people embrace lives that is so much less than what it could be. My friends, Jesus offers a life, a quality of life called eternal life that starts when the eternal one enters into our being, when we embrace him by faith, when we receive his mercy, that transforms a life and brings not painless living, but brings a quality of life that Jesus says is remarkable and good and beautiful. See, the text said that this young man came to his senses. (laughs) He looked at reality and he said, I want to change. Anybody here today ready for change? Just think it's time. Second thing that he did was to own up to his sin. That's what we need to do. Um, Basically, we have to come to God and say, God, I've messed up. You know, I've sinned. I've done what what wronged you. First and foremost, about what wronged others and even myself. It's not what I want anymore. I'm 15, 18, and 19. It says this. It says this. I will set out, he said, and go back to my father. Oh, 18, please. Do so we have 18? All right, I'll read it from here. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And then it says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, this, this, this moment of clarity settled upon this young man. I would say when this happens to us, it's the gift of God. But there was this moment when it just didn't make sense anymore to be disconnected from his dad. And I want to tell you, my friends, when we come to that place when we become dissatisfied with what is, it it comes with this moment of clarity where we say, I don't want to be disconnected from God anymore, a God who loves me and a God who wishes to show mercy to me. Um, And we recognize that there's something more in God that we long for. So we come to him and we just honestly with every, with every ounce of sincerity that we can muster in our hearts We say, Lord God, I've blown it and I need you to forgive me And I pray that you will I pray that you will And the third thing That we need is simply then to offer ourselves up to God You know When this this young man came back to his dad, he came back with a very different attitude. And I think that could be categorized in a lot of different ways. But I think essentially he came back humbled. He came back humbled. Luke 15, verse 12. This is him going away. I want you to notice when he was going away, he said, give to me. The younger son said to his father, give me my share of property. So the father divided the property between his two sons. He went away saying, give to me, dad. Give to me what I want and give it to me now. You see, it was all about him and all about what he wanted and about when he wanted it. Not not a lot of humility there, is there? But when he came back, verse 19, he wasn't saying give to me anymore. He was saying, make me. Verse 19, please. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What a change. What a difference. You see, salvation being found by God, that one who who has come to, to die for us so that he might seek us, so that we might be found by him, the good shepherd Jesus himself, salvation is turning from self-centered living to being god-centered in terms of how we live give me what i want to make me whatever you want me to be that's salvation and i want to tell you my friends if you haven't said that to god you're not saved That's powerful. But this is what's required. Make me to be whatever you desire, God. Do with my life whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want. I I will turn away from whatever you choose. I will embrace what you choose. Make me your servant. Because now I exist to serve you. My friends, that defines being found That defines salvation. And the father's response is absolutely, and I'm going to use a different word than in my notes, it was wonderful. Let me read verses uh, 20 to 24 for you of Luke 15. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Understand the heart of God for you. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. What could he have done? He could have been stern. He could have been critical. He could have condemned the young guy for such flagrant waste of, of half of his wealth. But he ran to him, overjoyed that his son was coming home, and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, here begins the confession. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cut it off. He said, but the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his finger and sandals on his feet. He reinstituted him as son. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a feast and celebrate. I'm going to read verse 25. I don't think I included it because it says this. So verse 24, it says this. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Isn't that an amazing, amazing thing? This young man moved from being lost to being found. He moved from being lost to being saved. This is mercy, my friends. This is mercy. Something in the heart of God, he is unlike us. He's almost more than we can imagine and contemplate and embrace. His heart is filled with a kindness for us. It is filled with a desire to forgive us, number one, for our sin in an undeserved way. This young guy could never have, you know, deserved what this dad gave to him. And his heart is filled with his mercy, this unearned kindness that just caused him to throw his arms around that boy and love him. This is the good news, right? (laughs) We don't earn our salvation. We can't do it. We don't deserve forgiveness and we can't earn the kindness of God, but but it is for us because it dwells in the heart of God. See, Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. We've got to remember, we've got to to understand. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross so that you could experience God's mercy. Forgiveness and kindness in an overwhelming fashion. He paid an incredible price to save you and me. And I want to tell you he did it because you are incredibly valuable to him. And he longs in the core of his being to throw his arms around you. And love you. And if you haven't thought of God in those terms before, start thinking of it now, because this is the truth of the word of God. That is who he is. See, I think in in one way, these three stories are told in order to communicate powerfully how valuable you are to God. It speaks to the heart of God, obviously. But they exist so that you might know how valuable you are to him. How do you know when something, how do you know the value of something? I think the only way the, you know, when we're trying to sell something like a house in our society, you know how, you only know how valuable it is when someone comes along and says, I will give you this amount of money and writes a check and gives it to you. Sometimes you get less than what you've asked for, and sometimes, especially right now it appears, people are getting more than what they ask for. It doesn't matter. But you only know how valuable you are when the check gets written and handed over. Try to sell a car. You might think it's worth 10 grand. If nobody will give you more than eight, that's what it's worth. That's how valuable it is, period. What has God done for you? What has he paid for you, that you might be found. John 3, 16. most famous verse I would suggest to you in the Bible. It says this, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I guess, my friends, what I'm here today to ask is this. Is there anyone here today who recognizes, <clears throat> maybe for the first time with clarity, that they are lost and that they need to be found? Is there anyone here today who's recognizing, maybe for the first time, that there is a shepherd who was seeking you, like the shepherd sought the sheep and the woman lost the coin and the son longed for the return of the... The Father longed for the return of the Son. Now, there are there people here today who, say, who are ready to say, Lord, I want that vital connection with you. I want relationship with you in a way that I haven't known it before. And rather than rejecting your mercy, I'm, I long to receive it because I know I need it. And I'm not satisfied with what is. I want something more. I want what you died, Jesus, that I might know in my life. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and if you today recognize your lostness, I'm going to pray a prayer. In the quietness of your own heart and soul, I'd invite you to pray the prayer after me, to receive this mercy, to accept it, Um, to find yourself embraced by the love of God. So let's pray together. Gracious God, we come to you, and uh, boy, how powerful your word can become when we dwell in it. Um, That the message is clear, that every single one of us needs to be found, and until we are found, Lord, we are lost. We know, Lord, how precious each and every person is in this room to you, because you sent Christ to die for us. And Lord, there may be some here today who are just willing to say, hey, (laughs) It's my time to say yes to Jesus, to seek forgiveness, to embrace mercy. So Lord, for those people, um, I just pray this prayer now and I invite them in the quietness of their own hearts and minds to pray this prayer with me. Today, Lord Jesus, I accept your mercy. And I recognize your, my need to be saved. Lord, I long for a better life with you. I long to reconnect with you. Here and now I own up to my own sin. For Lord, I have done my own thing too long and pretended that I was God and gone my own way. But I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. And I pray that you will make me your servant for I want to serve you with my life. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you like the father in the story, you're an incredibly compassionate and loving and forgiving God and that you are ready to run to me now and throw your arms around me. Lord God, I humbly ask that you will accept me into your family and that you will make me your own. Father, for those people who have prayed that prayer today, like the shepherd, like the woman, like the father, we celebrate with joy. For again, your desire has been satisfied as another sheep has come into the fold, as the coin has been found, as the lost son, the lost daughter has come home. Lord, we believe what this passage says in Luke 15, that even the angels in heaven rejoice because one sinner repented. God, how blessed we are, those of us who have come to understand the wonderful mercy that dwells in your heart to us. Thank you for it. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done in Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that we have been found by you. In Jesus' name we pray these things.